So, reform certainly seems to have been a key word of President Moon Jae-in's administration so far. Certainly was as well in the build-up that uh, he campaigned on the back of. This applies to social issues, the economy and so on, even North Korea policy. But today we hear from a renowned scholar on what measures we should be taking for economic advancement in this age of uncertainty as to this part of a series of special interviews celebrating the 27th anniversary of TBS. It's our honour then to invite Professor Anne Osborne-Kruger of the International Economics Department at Johns Hopkins University. She was also the first Deputy Managing Director of the International Monetary Fund from 2001 to 2006 and a former World Bank Chief Economist. That's quite an introduction and so even more of an honour to welcome you on the line. Thank you for joining us. Thank you for inviting me. If we could just start, though, with your view of us, um, the economy's current state here. Well, a first thing to be said is any kind of perspective. uh, The Korean economy has obviously been sensationally uh, successful over the past 60 years. And the growth rate of the early years was catch-up. There's less of that going that can go on now. And then on top of that, of course, there's the demographic uh, where indeed the labor force has stopped growing, and that is going to create challenges going forward, but from a very successful base. Some experts suggest that the economy here is in worse shape today than it was before the 1997 IMF crisis. Uh, intuitively, I find that hard to go with entirely uh, when I look around me. What, what's your view on that? Well, if we had more time, what I would say is what, what, what do they cite by way of evidence for that? Because certainly it does not accord with uh, what most people see or believe, believe or know about the Korean economy. Quite clearly, the 1997 financial crisis was in large part a result of the financial system and its very weak underpinning and the use of capital or, or, of interest rate and, bank and credit rationing, uh, which had happened in Korea. And none of that is there now to anything like the same extent. And the whole financial system is, I think, by any measure, much stronger. Indeed. I mean, household debt is often cited as a as a mounting problem, but almost all the fundamentals seem to be looking quite good to me. And, and the business analysts that I've been speaking to in the last few months on this show and beyond. Um, so what is your outlook for 2017? Well, for 2017, it seems to be uh, likely that barring something major on the international front that we don't now foresee, uh, that the growth will be not strong, but certainly moderate, and uh, keep 25 3%, something like that, which, given that there's no growth, growth in the labor force, is not a bad number. But coming back to that R word, uh, the key word of President Moon that I mentioned, reform, uh, you've suggested that we need to be looking at uh, fiscal measures to minimize economic damage. Can you just elaborate on that, please? Well, I, I'm not sure I actually suggested that. It seems to me that the most important part of reforms has to do much more uh, with getting the people who are working in the labor force and improving their productivity and their efficiency. Uh, 20 or 30 years ago, uh, if there were some elder, older workers who uh, were not all that productive, uh, there was no problem. Younger workers were, who were better educated were coming into the labor force, and that automatically raised productivity. Nothing like that is going to happen going forward, so it's going to be very important to make the best use of the people who are working. This idea of the president's, though, to work with the public sector first to eliminate non-regular workers... Uh, what's your opinion on that plan? 
Well, my opinion is of two parts. Uh, the first part is that in general, it turns out to be very unuseful, I guess would be a good word, uh, or counterproductive perhaps even, uh, to uh, have many uh, irregular workers or temporary workers, as different people call them, and to have two parts of the labor force, one of which is very secure and one very insecure. Uh, the problems are several-fold, one of which is that those who are insecure, uh, businesses are not going to want to spend money on training them, uh, and they, so they cannot increase their skills and increase their productivity. And meanwhile, there are tensions within a business when there are both types of workers there. So that, that, that's, I think, is one issue. But then the question is, how should this happen? And I'd be skeptical of taking these temporary workers and just putting somehow to work unquote, uh, in the public sector, it seems to me much more important to find a way to provide incentives so that the businesses and themselves uh, can establish training possibilities and to hire the younger people so that they get the skills they need uh, and, and can move smoothly into uh, uh, more more productive positions. Yeah, I mean, one of the obvious concerns is that smaller companies particularly will just hire less if they're under that sort of pressure. If this uh, culture of uh, non-regular jobs going away uh, also filters out into the private sector. Well, there, there are two things one can do, one of which is going to be uh, there can be ways in which you can provide more incentives for vocational training. Uh, you can subsidize it to some degree. You can reduce minimum wages. You can have an apprenticeship period, two or three years, uh, and you can do that in return for which, though, the company then has to provide guarantees that with if performance is at all acceptable, uh, these young people will be taken on more as more permanent workers in the labor force. At the other end of the spectrum, uh, the older workers, I gather, are, there's too much incentive for the companies to lay them off too early uh, simply because their wages are higher, and doing something to reduce that incentive would also be good uh, for the Korean economy. Well, speaking the, of the older population, you've proposed that we reform our pension system here. We are facing an aging society. It's already here, actually, but it continues to become a, a, an issue that's forecast to be a major one in the years to come. Well, I th I, it's not, nothing I proposed. I think the handwriting is on the wall. Uh, we can't foresee very many things about the future, but we can say that 20 years from now, those who are five years old will be 25, and so that the natural rate of population growth over the next 20 or so years is very close to totally uh, determined. And what's, what is determined in Korea's case, as I understand it, is that right now there are about two workers per pensioner. Uh, and that number is going to go down very close to 1.2 or 1.4 within the next 20 or 30 years. Now, the amount of tax, the amount of tax you can place on the existing workforce uh, to subsidize or to pay the pensions of the elderly people uh, is limited to some extent, and ways will have to be done uh, to to lower that burden somehow. Would you say that this is a pivotal moment then? Uh, it's a period of optimism around our fundamentals and, and, yes, moderate growth that you talked about before in 2017, but do we also need to take a couple of bitter pills here uh, while we have the chance? <laughs> well, the first thing to be said is that the sooner uh, measures are taken to increase labor force participation, to get more training and vocational education and so on for the younger workers, to unify the labor force and get rid of the temporary positions, and keep the uh, more senior workers going a longer period of time will help, and it will be e the sooner it's done, the less costly it will be, and the less painful the transition will be. It's going to have to be done. It's nothing that I'm proposing or anybody else is proposing, but raising retirement age uh, is something that many co European countries are doing or have done. The United States has started doing it and will do more, uh, and, I, and I fear that given the very rapid rate, 
at which a Korean uh, labor force is uh, moving into the pensionable years, it will be urgent to do something there before too long. And I appreciate your modesty, but your opinion uh, and your status does make your opinion uh, very valuable. What about the conglomerates, the Chebel, the family-run businesses here, and the idea of clamping down on them through increasing corporate taxation? Um, are you in favor of that kind of move? Well, part of what I, what I should say there for sure is I, I just don't know enough about it to be at all sure of the details. And, of course, even if you clamp down, the question is how much... And there I would be cautious. But the more important thing, I think, is to start working on finding ways to improve uh, the economic environment on a level playing field uh, for startups, small and medium enterprises. And if you look at the uh, international comparisons that are done, for example, by the World Bank or the OECD, while Korea rates very, very well in many things, uh, many of the issues in which a small and medium business will have trouble are ones in which Korea does not rate quite so well. Uh, and so the kinds of things, uh, paying taxes, um, Korea does not come out as well in that regard. Uh, the fact that you cannot fire a worker very easily uh, makes it more difficult for small and medium firms because large firms have more flexibility as to where those workers can go and so on and so forth. I yeah. would argue that we're looking more to in, in enhancing the opportunities or the, the turns to small and medium enterprises for starting up and facilitating that would be more productive than clamping down too much on the table. Well, labor issues again coming up uh, in just about every area here this morning. Uh, let's just finish with more of a global outlook and some of the biggest challenges facing the world and, and, and the implications of them for us here in Korea, in your opinion. Because everybody knows there's a great deal of uncertainty in the world right now. Uh, the un there's an unusual amount of uncertainty from the United States, uh, and it's not primarily economic because the economy at the moment is going along quite well. Uh, in fact, if anything, there's beginning to be signs of overheating a bit. But be that as it may, the trouble, of course, here is political, and the question, or the question here is political, and it's not at all clear what this administration uh, a proposes to do and b will be able to get done. And those two aren't the same thing. Then on top of that, their international economic posture uh, is at least a matter for concern, uh, as they seem well. They've already abandoned the TPP, which most of us think was not a good idea. Uh, and on top, not a good idea to abandon it. Uh, and on top of that, they're now talking about, uh, you know, renegotiating NAFTA. And they have not been at all encouraging on multilateral statements, urging open markets and things like this. And there's no obvious support for the World Trade Organization. And yet all these things are important for the entire world economy. And it will hurt all of us if indeed uh, things in those dimensions do not do well. Formerly a leading figure at the World Bank and IMF. Thank you so much, Professor Anne Osborne Kruger of Johns Hopkins University for joining us this morning. Well, thank you for having me.